0: For the AWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast being presented to you by the Women's Wrestling Network. And I am your host, Mr. Green. How are you, ladies and gentlemen? And if you are listening to this now, odds are you just finished watching another rousing episode of WOW Episode 8 in the can. So now, we can talk about it. And this one is going back up on its normal time frame, 9 p.m. Saturday night. And sorry about last week, folks. You know, sometimes even I have to be away from my my equipment, my computer, my, you know, all my systems and whatnot. And I just could not make the the time release like I would have liked to. But, you know, we're gonna try to get this thing back on track. So, that said, you know, let's jump right off into review. I think it, it is time to uh, discuss what is going on with, in the wild verse, what is good, what's bad, what is bad, you know, uh, just the the whole rigmarole of the of the program. Which, as it normally does, starts with a recap of what's going on in the main event scene. Now, that is the, the common thread which goes on the recaps once the show starts. It gives you a little bit of a, hey, this is what happened last week, and this is what has been going on with these people and is primarily based on and around The Beast, Jungle Girl, and uh, Tessa Blanchard and whatever subsidiaries happen to be within that. Those those subsidiaries in this particular instance have to be Lana Starr, Sofia Lopez, Faith Alinas. And we will see uh, almost all of them uh, later on in the show. So we will move on to the first segment. This is one of those moments where I was like, you know, if there's a, a time that reminds you that WOW is a television program, not necessarily a uh, a traditional wrestling promotion, it is this. Uh, where they have produced a, kind of like a, a horror scene segment. And I guess it's timely because we're, you know, just coming off of Halloween. They probably should have done it the week, week before, but, you know, hey, timing is timing. So, anyway... We got this uh, this vignette, we'll call it. It shows Lana Stark going to a car. Now, if you were watching this in a movie theater, you would probably assume that the monster, the killer, the whatever is is about to murder her at this point. Uh, it, it like I said, it is very much a horror movie theme, uh, horror movie atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. It, it, you know, it, it it does give a different vibe to the show. And as Lana uh, is going to her car, of course, this is an empty parking lot. There's, there's nobody there but her walking across here. She thinks she hears something. She looks back. She doesn't see anything. She gets to her car. She, uh, for whatever reason, instead of getting the keys out, she decides to pull out a compact and look at herself in the mirror. And this compact happens to have the wild WOW logo on it. I, I don't know what that's about. But uh, the beast appears from nowhere. And threatens Lana, pretty much saying if you, you know, ever interfere with my match again, referencing what happened last week, uh, I'll rip your face off. And you might not want to be messing with Tessa Blanchard, you know, something along those lines. So she gives uh, Lana a a pretty big fright. And then we go into the uh, beginning of the show. Well, I mean, guess that is the beginning, but the, the first segment that takes place within the venue of the Belasco and we have jungle girl we're starting off with a jungle girl interview what I like about this is that jungle girl makes it very clear that she's a heel the only problem that I have around is that sometimes the heels take on other heels so there's almost no point in, in letting people know that you're the heel in this this situation because you're being paired off against another heel slash bad guy anyway this has happened numerous times Throughout the course of while, and it's almost like, all right, well, who am I cheering for here? Because my my gut feeling, just watching this, is that despite everything that Jungle Girl is saying, is to cheer for her. She has a valid claim. She's uh, wanting to get a rematch. That you know, pretty much most champions will get in wrestling if they lose the title. They usually get a rematch. Now, that's not a guarantee, and that's not promised. But generally speaking, that's the way it flows. You know, they, if they lose for whatever reason, they get a rematch. The story here has been Tessa Blanchard has dodged and dodged and dodged and dodged and have not given Jungle Girl the rightful one-on-one rematch that she feels that she deserves. So just in that alone, I'm like, you know, hey, why why would I root against her? Why, why is she, other than the stuff that she's saying, and how she's saying it, which, which again, she does a great promo. But other than that, I mean, why, why would I root against her? Tessa Blanchard is is the one that's being, you know, the the chicken heel here in this this equation. But uh, as this is going on, and as the the uh, the interviews typically go, if you got one person out there and they mention somebody else's name, the other person comes walking to the ring, and this one was no different. Uh, I do. I didn't have a problem with it, but, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting to the point where I would like to see at least one interview just be the interview and, and the other person don't walk out or, you know, end it in a different way. This is a uh, jungle girl calling out Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard comes out. You know, she she's doing the heel shtick also. And rather than, and this is going to probably be a running theme for tonight, me talk about. You know, people who are positioned as heels on TV, but I don't see why they're heels. Uh, but anyway, rather than Tessa saying, "Hey, all right, well, you won your number one contenders match, uh, and let's have the let's have the match main event tonight," she goes and she's like, "Well, you know, I would give you the match, but I'm, I'm taking on a newcomer instead, and you know, you know, sit, stay by and watch the main event, this, that, and the other." I this is the part I I, that left me kind of baffled because now I'm thinking about the you know the long story now and and we're thinking about this in retrospect so last week for those that didn't watch or those that didn't listen to last week's review last week there was a main or you didn't see the recap at the beginning of the show there was a main event match which without them saying it basically was a number one contenders match it was between the beast and it was Jungle Girl. This is the second time they fought in the ring, or one-on-one at least. Uh, Jungle Girl wins via disqualification through the interference of Lotta Star and Faith the Linus. So, not, not, not Jungle, Jungle Girl is now the number one contender. Regardless of how she won it, as she said in her promo, a win is a win, she's the number one contender. At what point did Tessa Blanchard get to decide well, you know, yeah, you did have a number one contenders match, but I'm not going to do it. That part didn't make any sense to me. It's was like, what was the point of having a number one contenders match if I can just decide that, hey, I don't know, I'm, I'm wrestling somebody else? Like, well, then why do we go through this? Why do we go through the, the, the measure of having a number one contenders match between Jungle Girl and The Beast? Now, I'm sure... It's all going to play out. You know, they, they've got weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of television to, to deal with. But uh, I'm, I just didn't get this particular logic right here in this instance. So it's like, why deal with the number one contenders match? Why have Jungle Girl and, and the Beast jump through those hoops? If WoW themselves, you know, and we're talking in the kayfabe universe here. If the WoW management, let's call them, was not going to enforce the, the reward that you're supposed to get from having this match, then why bother having the match? David McClain is standing right there in the ring, and he's clearly the authority slash management that is inside of WOW. Why didn't he say something like, hey, no, she wrestled a, a no one contenders match. She won regardless of how it happened. Then, you know, you have to defend the title. It's almost like she, Tessa is being rewarded for having interference. Which, again, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't get it. It just, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I like both of them. I do. Jungle Girl and Tessa Blanche. I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready for the match. But what is the deal, man? What is the deal with the, it, it? These are the little points of inconsistency. That's the word I'm looking for. These are the little points of inconsistency in, like, the, the rules of your universe. And that's, that's one of those things that you, you have in television. Like, you know, once you establish the rules in your universe, yes, every television, show is, especially ones that stay on for a long period of time, that they're going to have some inconsistency there. Wrestling, even, you know, they're going to have some inconsistency too. But something like that, I thought, I was like, oh, you could avoid that. You can avoid this. You know, you can avoid it. Just explain how exactly is she able to talk herself out of this. That didn't make any sense to me. So why have the match? Anyway, that, again, that'll probably be a running theme in in the course of this uh, particular review. Segment three, we've got Chloe Hertz. For some of you that may know, that's uh, Katie Forbes taking on Sassy Massey. And uh, some of you will also recognize her as Alicia Edwards. Uh, this is the first time we're seeing Hurts this season. Uh, the, I thought the, the commentators did a pretty good job of explaining, you know, without saying, oh, yeah, she's here for the first time this this year. Uh, they, they pretty much laid it out to the fact that she's just returned from India where she's been wrestling, uh, you know, elsewhere. And, as, you know, that's fine. That works. It, you know, without – they didn't have to go to hold everything. They didn't have to get a promotion. They didn't have to say where a win-loss record was and all that stuff. They gave enough, and that's great. They talked about you know that she was just wrestling elsewhere, and that she's returned, and she's back with her ring rats and so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> I, I I was uh, pretty good about this. Uh, Hertz attacked Sassy Massey when she came into the ring. I mean, well you know once her back was turned, she went and attacked her. So she she's uh, letting people know immediately that who's the heel here. I like this. I like this because Sassy and Chloe Hertz. Make it very evident for you. Chloe is the is the heel, the arrogant, over the top, you know, braggadocious heel. Sassy is the fun loving, bubbly baby face, and that's cool. And I, I enjoy that. I, I don't, I don't want to have to like <laughs> try to figure out who's who's supposed to be cheered for here. This one they made it pretty easy. So anyway, Hertz attacks Massey from the get-go, but Sassy turns it around pretty quickly, and they uh, they got a a reasonable match here where Sassy was pretty much in control up until uh, Hertz uses the ring rats or one of them at least to gain an advantage. I like that also. You know, it, it's it's simple, but it's it's an effective thing. Like, hey, if you're gonna have these valets out there at ringside. Do something with him. And she did. I like, that was great. She, she threw Sassy, well, threw, she shot off into the ropes, immediately goes over and grabs the referee to, to pull his attention away. And when Sassy comes off the ropes, the ring rats grab Sassy's foot, you know, g- causing the distraction, which gives Chloe Hurts the, the upper hand again. So, you know, it's again, it's a very simple thing, something that, you know, that's been going on in wrestling for decades at this point. But little things like that make a difference. And like, you know, that is that works for me. I I enjoyed that she is she's the heel and she's playing the part of the heel and she's using all of the tools that she has available to be heel. So anyway, we got the the advantage. Uh, Chloe Hurst breaks out a three squat Samoan drop, which is you know pretty impressive. Uh, you know, of course, she's doing the all natural thing. Make of that what you will. As she's doing her squats, I will not go off into that. You know, to to uh, get one excited. <laughs> but you can go watch the show if you didn't see it already, or just just look up Katie Forbes in general. You know, and now that I think about, it, I think Forbes signed a contract with, if, uh, with Impact Wrestling. So. Imagine that. You know, she's on two different shows on the same network. She's on WOW and she's on Impact Wrestling. So, I guess double the paychecks. So, good for her. Anyhow, well, that's a lot of them now that I think about it. So, anyway, but Sassy kicks out of this uh, three-squat Samoan drop. I don't know if that's what they call it. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, Sassy pops Chloe Hurts with a cutter. Chloe is able to kick out. Well, Sorry, not a cutter, a complete shot. I'm getting, getting ahead of myself. She pops it with a complete shot. Chloe's able to kick out of that. They, they do another little exchange again. She gets caught for a second time with a complete shot, and the second one gets the money. Chloe Hurts goes down for the three. Sassy Massey wins. So we've, we've got that going on for her, which was, again, an enjoyable match. Can't complain about it. Everything there was, uh, was right on the money. Uh, segment four. Um, we got security cam footage that shows the twins, the Dixie Darlings, who we've, we've not seen very much of in a while so far. I mean, I'm sure they, they've got uh, a lot of appearances left as the weeks roll on, but we see them stealing Jesse Jones and Amber O'Neill's boots. Now, this is on camera. They, they make it clear that this is a security cam, so it's not even like they, they're not seen It's not like they can't be identified. It's not like there is no way that you can say, hey, who stole our boots, and and we can't figure it out, all right? The manager, the the commentators are watching this. We're watching this as as the audience. So, I mean, I didn't – I understand why the Dixie Darlings may want to do this. Here's my problem with this this whole relationship that is being built with the Dixie Darlings – and grits and glam. I think that's what they go by now. Amber Neal and Jesse Jones. If you go back a couple of episodes to where the Dixie Darlings were introduced, it was Lana Starr putting the Dixie Darlings' name over the locker room sign of Jesse Jones and Amber O'Neal. Which made the Dixie Darlings decide, you know, would not decide, but made them believe that, hey, this is our locker room. They walked in and... uh <clears throat> pretty much got ran out of it because, I mean, what is Jesse Jones and Ambrose Neal supposed to do? They're like, hey, look, no, this is our locker room. Get out. And they put him out. So now you've got the Darlings who assumably believe that they were just kicked out of their own locker room for no good reason. But in reality, we know that Jesse Jones and Amber Neal they had every reason to do it. They had every reason to <laughs> the king, I mean, as mean as that may sound, they had every reason to tell them, no, this is our locker room. Get out of here. They there was they didn't do anything wrong. That that was Lionel Star that caused that problem. Lionel Star putting that up there, which, you know, hadn't been addressed. I can only assume that it's going to be addressed somewhere down the line. That was part of that whole I'm going to get revenge on them deal uh, for losing in the tag tournament. So the Darlings steal the boots. We go to the next segment, and we'll come back to the Dixie Darlings, Amber Neal, and Jesse Jones uh, storyline a little bit later. But the next segment that you see is Sassy Massey and Chantilla Chella having an exchange in the hallway because we know that these two young ladies are tag team partners. They're in the tag team tournament together. Uh, As far as I know, they're probably the last team that has to have a match in order to see who's going to advance uh even though we have no brackets and you know, I'm still you know holding that over wild's head that they, they didn't introduce any brackets. I don't we don't even know how the term is going to gonna work out. but uh assumably because of who's been in it so far, uh I think it's safe to say that Sassy Massey and Chantilla Chella are going to be facing the monsters of madness. that 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 would be the assumption. And we we will show how we got to that assumption a little bit later on as we go forward in the uh, review. So we got that. <clears throat> Chella is heading to the ring to take on her opponent. Um, I was really surprised that uh, Sassy Massey didn't come to accompany her, given who she was, she being uh, Chantilla taking on. But uh, I guess it, it all works out. Uh, this segment is the next match:es Temptress with Dagger versus Chantilla Chella. Uh, and again, Chella's going out there by herself. You know, the more I see the vengeful vixens, I just have to make this note because part of the shtick that the commentators keep bringing up is like, ah, oh, they'd like to play mind games. They play mind games. I haven't seen any of that. All I see is that one of them comes out with a bullwhip, another one comes out with knives. Now, I don't know how exactly that necessarily comes off into of mind games other than the fact that I can pop you with this whip or, or maybe stab you. I mean, look, we know at the very least one of those weapons will never get used on TV. Dagger, I mean, it's a cool name. It's a cool look. It, you know, it, 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 it's very intimidating. You know, it, it's... it's, it's it, it's probably every adjective that you could think of in describing her up and down the list, from one end of the spectrum to the next. It's a cool, look, It's sexy, is you know, is it, it, intimidating, is you know, whatever, whatever you can have. But the one thing that we know that is never going to happen with those those knives that she carries is she's never going to use them. That's not going to happen. I mean, what could she possibly do? Is she to cut somebody's forehead? I mean, maybe. That that might be the closest thing that she can do. I was like, but she's not gonna stab anybody on there or threaten to stab him or whatever the case may be. It's just not gonna happen. It's it's, it's a altogether is a worthless prop. It's not gonna be used for anything beyond just being a prop. Uh, temptress, maybe the bullwhip is not anything new inside of a a wrestling ring. I mean, Dutchman Tail used it for years. That you got to go back a couple of years for you you young kids that's listening to this right now. But Dutch Mantel, some people knew him as Zeb Coulter or Uncle Zeb. In WWE, he carried a bullwhip. Now he never carried it on WWE television, as far as I can remember. But back in in uh, the Memphis days, that thing, Shoe Baby, that that was that was the deal. And you know, he's like he, he popular you with that. He was he was done. Uh, but I do not see that happening. Either, I mean, it's probably more likely, but I, it, I just don't see it taking place. All of that to say, I don't know what mind games they are alluding to when they constantly carry on about how the eventual vixens are full of mind games. I, I just do not see it. But anyway, uh, the match in of itself, this this falls under the same guidelines of everything else that I've talked about over the last couple of reviews in that when you put some quality workers in there, you're you're gonna get a quality match. You you got, you know, the former Katie Lee or Winter taking on Rayland. Uh, so I, I walked into this not really worried about the match whatsoever. Um it, it was a fairly even go match one criticism I have in there is that when Dagger does interfere, and she did interfere, it's like the camera missed it. Of all the camera angles that they have, I mean, it, it, it's like they barely caught it, and it wasn't even, you know, it was vaguely addressed. When uh, uh, Chella comes into the turnbuckles, tries to catch Temptress with a monkey flip, Dagger stops it by holding her partner's boot. So, you know, that didn't that didn't go anywhere. But anyway... Like I said, it it was barely brought up. So ah, it feels like that was kind of a lost opportunity there. But uh, in any case, we're going to move a little bit forward. Uh, Chela hits a cutter on uh, the Temptress, which puts her down. And Dagger pulls Temptress out of the ring. Again, much like the Ring Rats, I like this. It makes her feel valuable. Be that tag team partner. You know, I'm not going to just stand here and let you beat my, my friend, my partner. So she grabs her foot as Chella's on top of her, and the referee goes down for the count, and she just drags out of the ring. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was uh, pretty basic, and, yeah, maybe it might have caused a disqualification had the ref been up on it, but still, I mean, it, it was like, that's that's pretty cool that she she did that. Now, I say all this because there's somebody that I've been really critical about that's on this show that hadn't done much of anything. And so when I see other people doing it, when I see the ring rats, when I see Dagger helping out a partner, I'm like, this that's exactly what I'm talking about. Get in there and do something. Help your partner out. So in any case, we got temperatures on the outside. The fight goes out there for a moment. Uh, until Temptress pops uh, Chella with a big boot, puts her down. The action goes back into the ring. Uh, but a spinning back kick knocks Temptress out, and Chantilla wins the match. And she does it in a quick enough fashion that I don't think Dagger had enough time to react, so I thought that was cool too. So whereas I was kind of wanting her tag team partner to come out, her as the baby face overcoming the odds, I thought that worked too. It was it was really good to see, uh, and and it gives a little extra momentum in my view to the to this particular tag team. Even though they didn't really acknowledge him as a tag team in this episode, and I mean other than the little segment where we saw him in the hall, we we can gather from that that they're friends at the very least. But uh, I thought that it gave them a little bit of momentum. You got Sassy Mouse, She wins her match. Her tattoo partner goes right out behind her and wins her match. So, hey, if anything, you would figure that these two should get, get the job done. It, it might be nice to see them get into the finals. Who knows? But, again, you know, they got a big task ahead of them because uh, by process of elimination, it's got to be the uh, monsters of madness that's left. Anyhow, next segment and next match, Jesse Jones and Amber O'Neal, Grits and Glamour taking on fire and a drilling otherwise known as uh, Kira Hogan and Diamante. Um, this is where I, I start feeling the inconsistencies of the rules in WoW. The first thing that happens is when Grits and Glam walk out to the ring is that, you know, we've already seen uh, – the segment, and I guess I should bring it up because I think I skipped it. There was a segment that took place where you saw, I mean, just before the match where Gris and Glam come into the locker room and they don't see their boots. She's going through their, their gear, the bags, and they're looking around. It's like, hey, where's my boots at? And the match is up next, so they really don't have any alternative. Um, Amber just grabs a pair of sneakers that she has in her bag. Jesse goes out there in socks. And, you know, they're, they're still going on. Now, this is a tag team tournament match. So it's important. You know, I think that needs to be stated, and you have to keep that in mind. So it's a tag team tournament match. It is important, and they're going out there without the gear. The first thing that happens is Jesse gets the microphone, talks directly to David McClain, and asks for the match to be postponed. You see that we don't have our stuff. We don't have our gear. We're not probably trained. This is a tournament match. You should push this off. Now, she didn't ask for it to be uh, called off entirely. She didn't ask for it to, you know, give us the win by forfeit or nothing like that. She just asked for it to be postponed. I, that's the first thing I'm saying. I was like, okay, I agree with that. I agree. that You have somebody come in and steal your stuff. <laughs> Heal or not, I agree with, at the very least, in this universe, Postpone the match. David McLean says, No, I see you. I bet you could do it. You could go in there and wrestle barefoot and this, that, and the other. So he makes the decision for them. They're, All right, well, no, I'm not postponing it. You go ahead and wrestle. And I feel like Jesse made a good point about them being disadvantaged. If you're not somebody that wrestles barefoot or without your wrestling boots on, why would you want to do that? In any case, now they are going into this match. And they are showing blatant inconsistency in how these things get put out there or assigned or what have you. Because bear in mind, as they're walking out, they mentioned the fact that and Jesse Jones and and Ambrose knew had to wrestle twice in order to get to this this round. They had to wrestle the same team twice. Why? Because Lone Star basically came out and said, "Hey, you know, it wasn't fair not that that I." You know, I didn't ask to be tagged into the match, so you should give me another chance. And then, the I didn't have no problem doing that. That there lies the inconsistency. It's like, how is it that Lana Starr, as a character, can lose clean? She she got yanked, she got tagged in, pulled into the ring, and tapped out. That was the that was the first loss by Jesse Jones. Comes out the following week I'm like, oh no, that but that wasn't fair. I I didn't I didn't want to get into the ring. That wasn't supposed to happen. And they just grant her another match. Just like that. No problem. It's, it just moves on. But here, where we see this stuff being stolen, the the commentators acknowledge that the stuff is being stolen. They ask for, like, hey, give us a postponement. And he just said, nope. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't get that. Like, it felt very inconsistent to me. So we have uh Fire and a, dr- and a drilling come out again. Solid tag team match. There's there's really not much to say as far as you know the the, the match is bad or anything like this. This is a very good solid tag team match, and I, I guess a little point of interest here because all uh, I won't say all four, at least three of the four have come through this area. This area being Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I was saying the last. Yeah, Three years or so. I might be off by a couple of years, but the point of interest there is that uh, Kiara Hogan, aka Fire, her first opponent ever was supposed to have been uh, Amber O'Neill. That that is a little point of trivia. That now it wasn't her actual first opponent, but that was supposed to be her first opponent. Ambrose Amber O'Neil, Uh will wound up being her first opponent is Double D Rose, or back then she was known as dimension arose probably probably not to match that fire would want to remember (laughs) because she was uh kind of a different person at that time you know and so as far as the wild universe is concerned it would be night and day but uh i just felt like i I wanted to bring that up largely because when you see her she cuts promo on uh amber o'neill when she gets out there basically saying the bullet babe didn't want to show up she was scared of me so now here we are a couple of years later, and you know they're they in reverse. They're in a turn tournament. You got Fire, you got Ann O'Neill, that you know, and and all four ladies, all four very good. Um, the Heat gets put on diamante, was diamante, a I don't want to use her, her alternate name here, but a gets get the boots put to her to to some degree. Uh but here's where it it starts to. Take the the backslide When we got the, the double down Portion of the match Both ladies get to their partners Make a tag Fires in Jesse Jones in Now keep in mind Jesse Jones has no boots Okay So Jesse Tries to make a charge in on fire Who's in the corner Fire Hoists her up Flips her out over the ropes Jesse holds on to ropes Lands on the apron when she lands She lands hard Sprains her ankle so now we're seeing the effect of the boots not being there. She can't do anything of it right now, but but the tag has already been made. Amber O'Neill is back to being the legal person then. <clears throat> uh, fire is able to get Amber on her back. She slips one of the shoes, one of the sneakers off of Amber O'Neill's foot, throws it at Jesse Jones. That in and of itself should have been a disqualification. So she takes this shoe, throws it at her, hits her, knocks her off the apron. Because, I mean, you know, as Austin Powers says, you know, a shoe hurt. Who throws a shoe, honestly? <laughs> but she threw it, knocked it down, and now on her unprotected ankle, she locks in an ankle lock, which forces Ambrose Neal to tap out. So because they do not have their wrestling boots. As the story goes here in the match, they lose. Yeah, and and it's just that simple. And more so than that, as they're doing this, you hear the commentators like, oh, well, you know, she could have done better. If she had boots on. It's like, it's like, why are you saying this? You just told them to go wrestle without the boots on. Why would you then turn around and be like, well, you know, it almost makes it sound like it's just so unfortunate that they don't have them on. Oh, woe is them. They, if they only had boots... They could they could have put up a better fight. Like, oh, really? Come on, man. you just made them do it. So this is again one of those cases of I feel the story inconsistency. I feel the inconsistency in the rules. Yeah. Fire and drilling in advance. I mean that that's pretty much what it comes down to. They they win. They they are going to the finals. They are announced right then on the spot as the firing and drilling are in the finals now. So i Again, no matter how I wrote these matches out, I don't know how this thing is bracketed or what have you. Beyond the fact that maybe they'll have a three-way dance at the end of it, I I don't know. But uh, we, we've got our first finalist, technically speaking, or at least I assume that we got our first finalist because we got Siren and we got uh, uh, Holiday they won their last match, but they weren't announced as being in the finals. So, Wild could very well pull a fast one and, and and make another match for Siren and Holiday to get to the finals, which really they shouldn't have to do because I think they've had the same amount of matches as Fire Drilling. But it, it's all very confusing, which is another reason why I keep harping on the fact that why, don't, why didn't they put up brackets? It's like they didn't want to be held to uh, the standard of Having to, to to be consistent or something like that, so we have that. And uh, as I said earlier, if if the guess is correct, then it's going to be Sassy Massey and Chantilla Chella versus the Monsters of Madness. Where Holiday and Sirens fit into this, I don't know. But apparently, Fire and the Drilling are waiting in the wings for whomever is coming in, or both teams that come in, or something like that. It it, it is uh. It's a shame that it wasn't announced. They could have at least done the job and say, hey, these, these are the finalists and this is how it's going to work out or explain the rules or something. They haven't done any of that. And they haven't done it for, for weeks now. And I don't expect them to do it because, you know, why the hell not? Anyway, next segment, the Dixie Darlings. As uh, Grits and Glam are walking down the steps, going back towards the locker room, we assume, uh, the Dixie Dollars come walking up with smiles on their faces, like "Hey guys," you know, and they almost presented it like this was some sort of good-hearted joke, like "Hey, we," you know. I mean, I know that wasn't what it was supposed to come off as, but that's how it appeared. It's like you know that this this was just a good-natured rib. What are you talking about? So you know, they got the boots on, and you know, Jesse's like, "Hey, give them back." And the Ambers telling him you two cost us our match. You no, know, it, it was the tournament match, and we were supposed to be in. It, blah blah blah. They get the boots back. Uh, Jesse, as soon as she has the boots back in him, she says, "You know, I, I forget how she phrased, but not this isn't verbatim. But basically, you know, this is what my papa told me: that if somebody messes around with you, you beat the brakes off of them, and that's what they proceed to do. They grab the Dixie Dollars, they beat them up." Put them face put one of them face first into the wall, and just kind of leave them there. One of them looked like she was sitting down in the corner crying. I was like, oh, "What is happening here?" So I'm not sure what to make of the darlings so far beyond the fact that they just fought her to be beaten up. But as far as this storyline is concerned, Jesse Jones and Ambrose Neal had every right to be upset. I don't I, I don't see how anybody could view it any differently. It's like all of that stuff is just stacked up against them. And then I come around the corner and see these two knuckleheads that took my boots to begin with. And they're just giggling about it as we just got eliminated from the tournament, which we should have been, you know, put up at least a better fighter We're going to lose, not lose via that. So the beating that was took, the darlings deserved you know, I hate to say that because they're supposed to be the baby faces here, but they're doing such a poor job of being baby faces. Like, how how on earth am I supposed to root for them? Why should I root for them? They just screwed somebody over and screwed somebody over that had nothing to do with the prank that was that was put on them. They just <laughs> they just you know sticking their nose in somebody's business that shouldn't be there. I guess I don't know. It, it, it didn't. It didn't come off right to me. Maybe uh, if anybody sees this differently or feels differently about it, please, if you, if you think that I am misjudging the darlings by any stretch of the imagination, please put your comments below. I would love to read them. I would love somebody to defend to me how they're supposed to be the baby faces in this equation. So, yeah, I, I will leave on that before going to the next thing. The Darlings deserve the beating that they got. So we go to segment, uh, I guess it's segment nine, and it is a video package showcasing the Lioness, Faith the Lioness. It shows how she got the championship match, shows her background, you know, her as a singer, her in the martial arts, uh, <clears throat> uh, and and making the... The case for how she got the match. Now, I still say that it is a uh, inconsistent point to have somebody a number one contenders match, and then just because they say so, like, nope, I'm wrestling somebody else. And you know, without without real solid explanation behind it, like, oh no, my lawyer said I couldn't. Or, you know, so, something to make me believe that other than on her word, we're gonna not have this match. But there it was. It was like she just, she just decided. Oh no, no! I'm wrestling against faith the line. It's not not against you, you being jungle girl in this particular instance. Uh, but the, the the video tried it tried to show how she got there. I mean, and I understood it from that perspective. Uh, that little component there didn't make a lot of sense to me. But you know, it it at least came across and and it, and it got across the point of this. Tessa Blanchard in this story is supposed to be handpicking her opponents so that she can have an easy way to remaining champion. That That is a story that seems to be being told here. Even though some of that also doesn't make sense because of, like, the last two matches that she had, uh, uh, Reyna Reyes and, um, crap, okay, <laughs> I just forgot, oh, Serpentine, the, the two matches that she had there, I was like, okay, um, those weren't easy. If you were going to pick somebody for you to, to wrestle so you could maintain your, your title, why would you pick them? Both of them were exceptionally good. And it, it was only like a hair between her keeping the title to begin with. So I didn't get that. Linus probably in story works better for, oh, yeah, I'll take on her because she's a rookie. She's, you know, she does not know what she's doing. And. In, in that regard, it makes sense. Now, I still say it doesn't make sense how she gets to handpick her opponent in this instance, but, you know, it being Faith the Lioness does make sense. So we go to the next segment, which is uh, Tessa Blanchard defending the Wild Championship against Faith the Lioness, who, here again, I think I talked about it earlier, you know, you got these heel versus heel scenarios, and you got another one right now. You got Faith, who is sold out to Lana Starr, who is – a de facto heel taking on Tessa Blanchard, who's also a de facto heel. Uh, well, I shouldn't say de facto heels. They're, they're both heels. But in this match, Faith became the de facto babyface because, you know, the people were going to root for her, or at least that's how it came across. She really didn't do anything heelish as far as the match was concerned, other than the fact that she's associated with Lana Starr. I mean, beside that, I mean, did, what what did she really do? But the story here is being uh, told that Tessa may have underestimated her opponent because he got the match and she's going in there. She's the champion. And Faith is doing a really good job. She's doing a, a phenomenal job in the ring. Now, I'm not shortchanging that by any stretch. Uh, Tessa, I'm sure, helped her out and, and, uh, and uh, upheld her end of the match. But Faith, uh, just given off the fact that you know she's got these uh, athletic skills underneath her, her martial arts, and you know that she trains as a wrestler and whatnot. I think she had gymnasts in there too. But uh, as accomplished as she is, she she really delivered in this match, and it felt like uh, it felt like this match was about making Faith like it was. Regardless of what you got at the end of this, it was about making her look bigger than what she was walking into it, and I and I really felt that. I felt that the main event, Tessa Blanchard, Faith the liners, delivered the goods, as uh, <clears throat> as far as that was concerned. Uh, Faith controlled a fair portion of this match, and, and you can see on a couple of occasions the surprise on Tessa Blanchard's face. So. Again, you know, it, it felt like to me that it was about making faith who she is, uh, getting her up there, making sure that people know that she's a, a somebody to be contended with. And she seemingly came close on a couple of occasions to winning that championship, but not, you know, it was close, but not close enough. She had a lot of strikes, a lot of kicks throughout the match. Uh, those were pretty good. It got the chance to illustrate her striking ability. <clears throat> um. It, it it was all really good, and this is one of those points where I'm like, you know, I know that Faith could be that much better if she actually if she wrestled uh, probably more regularly. She's she, she seems like she's really good now, but uh, just on the wrestling curve. Okay, I'm I'm just talking about that alone. And I'm not saying that to say that she's bad in the ring or anything like that. She's, you know, actually surprisingly good, you know, in my opinion. But uh, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, when WoW is on his off time, she does not wrestle. Uh, I would like to see her wrestling somewhere. I would like to see her on the independent circuit. I would like to see her taking up a couple of matches. I don't know what the the protocol with WoW is, whether they will allow her to uh, use the faith name, and maybe and you know maybe that's her name I don't know maybe, maybe she legally owns it herself but I would like to see her take on a couple of matches with some other people you know so because you're gonna get a little bit of something different from everybody and everywhere that you go and I think it would only serve to help her if she uh took on a couple of other these other matches I mean look Jesse Jones or Jesse Bell Smothers and Amber O'Neill they still wrestle they you know it's not just with wow they 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 keep going, man, they are still cooking, and that goes for a lot of them in there, you know that goes for a couple of them. like I said, you got some of them that are on uh impact television, so they're wrestling there you got some of them that that do all three they do wow, impact and they do the independence uh like uh Diamante like Kara hogan uh like well, I know her as Harlow, but on t v she's uh, a fury. Uh Sassy Massey, said I mean that there's a, the monsters of madness who are known as the killer death machines on the indies. You can go you can probably go up and down that roster. Tessa Blanchard. They all still keep going, you know, because there's always something else, you know. And and it, it's only gonna sharpen them as far as they can uh take these matches on. So I I think it would work out vastly uh in her advantage. If Faith had the opportunity, I mean, she probably would get the opportunity, all she would have to do is put her name out there. But if she took those matches, if she took some some uh, indie dates, I think that she would do phenomenal. And she would uh, start to really uh, come into her own as a professional wrestler. But uh, all of that aside, um, the match ends with this. Faith hoists Tessa up into a fireman's carry position, which Tessa then counters to a diamond DDT, and we know that the diamond DDT is her finish. She pops her, drops her out right on the head boom one, two, three. Tessa Blanchard retains the WOW Women's World Championship, which they have made clear to note that is the most prestigious women's championship in all of women's wrestling. Now, I guess that that would be open to debate. I, I did take a poll about. Uh, some people thought it was the the best roster in women's wrestling, which I was a little bit surprised actually because I put that that poll up against the WWE. You know, I, I put that up against Raw and SmackDown's women's uh, rosters, and and they feel like WOW has a superior roster. So I was like, okay, so that that says a lot, man. That says a lot for where WOW was and where they are today, because you know they have acquired some really top talent to come into that company. And help them out. Uh, I don't know if that was uh, something that David wanted specifically, but I I do know. Once upon a time, the theory seemed to be, let's just get them and we'll train them and we'll make them what we want. And that and they're not doing that anymore. They're they're you know going on. That they are taking this right on up to uh, the the indie workers. They're getting people that can come in there and hit the ground running. Can't complain about that. Uh, it's it's really good for that company. That's that's about the best I can say. The show ends, getting back on track here, the show ends with Tessa celebrating. And as soon as that is over, Jungle Girl comes up and attacks Tessa from behind. And uh, this is another one of those cases like, well, you know what? Jungle Girl's justified. I I know that is not supposed to come off as she's being justified because she's supposed to be a heel and she, you know, not supposed to be doing those things. But she was justified in this regard. If the champion can just say and do things and get what she wants or uh, Lana Starr can say or do things and get what she wants. And I'm sure there's a couple other examples of that, you know, that have stretched out through the uh, eight episodes of WOW that we've seen thus far. Then Jungle Girl attacking Tessa Blanchard by all rights, probably would would be rewarded with the championship match. <laughs> if she attacked her enough, <laughs> she'd probably like, ah, give me the match, you know. Or Dave McClain would, would book it. But I, I feel like Jungle Girl was... Perfectly justified, especially if we're looking at it in the context of, hey, I wrestled a week ago. I went against the beast who was supposed to be the biggest, baddest thing in the wild. Yes, went by disqualification. That's not my fault. A win is a win. Where's my title match? And I'm supposed to get one, and it's been weeks, which is true. It's, it's been weeks. She hadn't had a title match since last, well, I shouldn't say a title match. She was in the title picture since, since last season when she lost it and since that time she has not get the opportunity to regain it so i mean it is it's just been kind of carrying on and on and on well no it, let me let me scratch that because if i'm not mistaken I, i'm putting uh my my matches out of order <clears> the <throat> young girl lost the title in a triple threat when she didn't get pinned when that was with uh emerald neil and santana garrett santana garrett who's now signed to nxt by the way uh, but, it's, so she got another tight opportunity, her being Jungle Girl, but she lost the match to uh, uh, Tessa Blanchard, which is how Tessa got the, the championship. So, but in any case, all that aside, whatever history that may be, Jungle Girl is justified, in my view, uh, for attacking Tessa Blanchard, because like I said, in, in Wild's universe and with Wild's logic at this stage, she probably will get what she wants and be rewarded for that. She, she, you know, well, we got to settle this once and for all, ladies. You're going to get that match. You're going to get it next week. You know, that, that type of thing. Which didn't, you know, he didn't get up there and say it. But I I, I need to point out, as, as I said, I, I think the running theme here has been show or inconsistent rules during the show. Uh, the matches themselves were fine. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed uh uh, temptress and Chilla. I enjoyed the tag team match: Jesse Jones and Broner of uh, versus Fowler Drillin. I enjoyed the ti- the, the uh, title match with with Fate. I mean, all the. I'm not even. Gonna, let me not pick and choose. All the matches were good. I, but I especially enjoyed the uh, main event match because I thought that was probably as close to the touring champion motif as you're going to get. The whole deal where the champion comes in town and you take on somebody new, and you know. Your objective is to try to make them look as good as that they as they can, or something along those lines. I think this is about as close to it as they were going to get. Tessa Blanchard took on who is assumed to be the rookie of Wow, the, the youngest girl on the roster, uh, Faith the Lioness, and Faith delivered. Uh, that this match made me want to see more of her. It made me want to see her. Uh, take on another match again. You know, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing Faith, Serpentine, uh, Reina Reyes in a in a triple threat or something like that. You know, the, the people that lost the title, re, the, lost the title match recently, r- wrestle to see who's going to get back in there. Who you know, Who's going to get that second opportunity. So that that would be cool to, to see that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would have to figure out some way for Lana Starr to work Faith back in it since it's her protege. But I think it would be a wonderful thing to, to get them back in there Or whatever it takes to keep faith In some level of spotlight Now I say that Knowing that they've already taped A, a, a huge bulk of this stuff So it's not like they can change it up now But still It's, it's, it's quite interesting I, I think So there we have it folks It is is the uh, full recap of Wow episode 8 And I uh, what did you think? What did you think about the show? What? How did you believe <coughs> that they they uh, did with the programming here? Did it live up to expectations? Did the girls in WOW deliver? Was the main event everything that you thought it was? Do you agree with me? Did are the Dixie Dollars deserving of the beating they got? Was uh, uh, Jungle Girl justified in what she said? I mean, it's not often that I would go agree with heels and things like, things of that nature, but. I think that those those little instances, absolutely, <laughs> the, the, the heels were, were in the right. But leave me your comments, man. You know, I'd love to see those. Leave the comments in the uh, section below or message me at Mr. Green75 at hotmail.com. Uh, if you are looking for more wrestling content, whether it be podcasts such as this, videos, video interviews, Blogs and what have you. Please go to the WPN site. That's WPN Wrestling. WPN com, And uh, you can see all of this stuff just online. There's a 24-hour stream there. and It has uh, the bulk of our entire library. And it's just running it all day long. You, you cannot go wrong with that. And, and uh, i tell you, it's, it's some work trying to make a Roku app. But I'm still... Still working on it. Still trying to piece it together. Still trying to get this thing uh, down. Um, if you have not done the favor, please do. Please subscribe to us. Your your uh, subscription and hitting the bell means a lot because the analytics show and uh, whatever revenue sources that we get from advertisers, they look at it. It, it. So believe me when I tell you that those subscriptions, those uh, those views. Uh, they they all mean a lot. If you support this, you support women's wrestling. You want to see original content that come on this channel? Finally, uh, like for us to book the matches uh, that people leave me and leave in the messages all the time. If you want to see those, if you're one of those people's like, hey, you should get so and so, or you should bring this person back. Well, believe me, this is what you have to do: subscribe. So if you haven't subscribed already, subscribe and hit that bell notification. If you happen to be on YouTube, if you are listening to this on any other platform, uh, whether that be Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play, uh, then please subscribe to wherever your favorite uh, podcast location may happen to be. Uh, again, the nexus for all of those things, if you don't remember that, is to go right onto the website, the WPN Wrestling, and it will have the links to everything that we do, podcasts, like I said, the videos, the 24-hour stream it is all there for you to, to indulge in and enjoy yourself so with that uh, I think that we have gotten to the very end of this program I, I don't uh, I didn't have any comments or questions to go over uh, this episode but feel free again to drop a line drop your your comments we can talk about it we'll do it on air just leave your name uh, when you do so I know who I'm talking to. And uh, I think that will cover it, folks. Uh, we have hit the wall. The wild wall is, uh, is up against me now, so I think it's time to uh, put this thing away. So, uh, just one last reminder, please. Your subscription, your reviews, your, your likes, your follows, they all mean the world to me. And they all mean the world to the Women's Bros. Network. So, with that, folks... I want to say that this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round.